0: Welcome to episode 138 of Your Kids Next Read podcast, in which we talk about books and reading for kids of all ages. I'm Alison Tate, author of Middle Grade Adventure series, The Mapmaker Chronicles, The Ataban Cipher, The Maven and Reed Mystery Series, and my new middle grade novel, The First Summer of Callie McGee. Usually, I'm here with my co-host, the now well-rested Megan Daly, teacher librarian at Children's Books Daily, author of Raising Readers, editor of Teacher Teacher, and also author of her brand new picture book, which is coming out in February called The Beehive. Keep an eye out for that. But I'm flying solo for this summer mini-series that we're calling Behind the Books. Um, This is part five of the series, so if you've missed any, uh, feel free to go back immediately. It's a really interesting series about some of the people who are part of bringing you wonderful Australian children's literature outside of those who write the books There are six episodes in the series, so there's one more to come after this, um, and they've all been dropping over our summer break. You will still find our show notes at yourkidsnextread.com.au where we'll share links to any books mentioned uh, because we do ask every one of our interviewees to recommend some brilliant books for you, and I'll also put some links to some of our most popular book lists as well as, you know, other bits and pieces that I think you might find interesting. So it's worth going to have a little look You'll also find Megan and I, along with our good friend, author, Alison Rushby, in the Your Kids Next Read community on Facebook. Search for Your Kids Next Read there to join our merry team. Uh, You can sign up for the Your Kids Next Read newsletter at yourkidsnextread.substack.com. And we do have um, a big book mail giveaway uh, through that newsletter every single month. So if you'd like to be in the draw for that, all you have to do is actually subscribe to our free newsletter. All the links will be in the show notes. From author Alison Rushby, illustrator Bronte Rose Mirando and Walker Books Australia, comes the
1: final thrilling instalment in the Miss Penny Dreadful series, perfect for readers 7+. It's 1872, and Penny has an inquiring mind and yet another mystery to solve. Can she uncover the truth about the mermaid scene in the Thames and finally locate her missing parents? or will be revealed in Miss Penny Dreadful and The Mermaid's Lones.
0: Right, well, we're nearing the end of our series, but that does not mean it gets any less exciting. This week, I'm chatting to literary agent Annabelle Barker about exactly what an agent does and how she goes about it. It's a rare opportunity to get behind the scenes of this part of the children's book publishing process, so I really hope that you enjoy it. But first, a bit about Annabelle. Annabelle Barker is a literary agent who represents writers and illustrators who create books for children and young adults. Annabelle worked in children's publishing for 20 years in-house for publishers in London and Melbourne before founding her agency in 2020. It is her favourite thing to see Australian writers and illustrators published across the world. So let's have a chat to Annabelle. Welcome to Your Kids Next Read, Annabelle Barker, Literary Agent. Such a pleasure to be chatting to you today. Lovely to be chatting to you too, Alison, as as always. As always. We do love a good chat, don't we? (laughs) All right. So let's start out. Maybe you can describe for our listeners, like anyone who's not familiar with how, you know, children's publishing, book publishing works. What is the role of the agent in children's publishing? Sure.
1: I'll describe that for you. So a literary agent is someone who connects writers and illustrators into the publishing world. So we work on behalf of writers and illustrators in the children's space. And uh, there's many tasks, but basically we represent the business interests of writers so they can focus on their creative work. And um, we also help people develop their stories and edit them and submit them into publishers and uh, also help to sort of strategize with Creators, so they can think about how they might build the, their career in in writing or illustrating. So I think about it a bit as like a partnership between a writer and an illustrator, or with a writer and an illustrator.
0: Okay. And how did you come to be an agent? Like, what what led you down this path? What made because it sounds to me like this is a lot about connections and relationships. Um, how do you kind of like move into that space? Sure. Yeah.
1: It is a lot about connections and relationships, and and. Because of that, I think it's harder for people just to become an agent without um, having had a little bit of a career doing something else first mm. um, in the industry. So there's not many of us, actually, which is a kind of an unusual part of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for most of my career, I worked in-house in publishing. So I was um, I worked in publishing for nearly 20 years, really, in kids' books. And most of that was in an area called Rights. Should I? Or maybe I'll just explain what rights. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yep. Yeah. So the rights department in a publishing house, they they take the work that's published here in Australia and they try to have that work published in other forms. So that might be in international markets, um, into English or translation, um, or into audio or film and TV and other forms. So that's what a rights person does uh, in a, in a publishing house. And I I'd really done that for a long time and i found that skill set um, of sort of rights knowledge and contracting and the business kind of side of publishing combined with my um the contacts that i developed over my career was was quite a good skill set or a good good fit for the kind of agenting world so that's kind of how i fell into agenting i also just wanted to do something um on on more of a freelance kind of basis so
0: and, and what, the what drew you into that aspect of publishing in the first place? Because, you know, rights is quite a specific area of publishing. Like what, what drew you sort of down that path rather than, say, editing or, you know, publishing mm-hmm. or whatever?
1: True. I, I kind of fell into it. So I, I, were, I was living in London at the time and trying to get into publishing, and that was kind of the first job I got. You know, I was applying for, you know, junior editorial roles and sales coordinator assistant roles and marketing assistant roles. And that, that was the role I got as the rights assistant. So I fell into it completely, but then I just fell in love with it because I loved the combination of, you know, helping to really think through the development of, of projects, but also having those kind of international networks and thinking about what might work in other markets. So, yeah, I, felt, I kind of fell into it. And I did do a lot of other roles throughout my publishing career in, in sales and more on the business side of publishing. And I always w- returned to rights because it uh, was an area that I loved. Um, a lot. All right,
0: so you're an agent now, um, and as you said, you sort of, it's, it's, it's almost like a freelancer subcontractor kind of role in some ways, mm-hmm. isn't it? You sort of work for yourself. What, what does a typical day look like for you?
1: Well, it's extremely varied, which I'm sure many, many people have a similar scenario. Um, I really love that aspect of the role, so it's a, lot of, it's a lot of different things. It can be anything from chatting to writers and illustrators to help them think about or develop their new ideas. Reading manuscripts or uh, structurally editing, um, giving advice to writers, and illustrators about their new work. Um, a lot of talking to or meeting with publishers about current projects or the kinds of projects they're looking for. Um, pitching work, negotiating contracts, administrating new deals. Um, you know, answering a lot of emails from international publishers. I've, I've actually recently also hired a lovely assistant. Bella, who, um, which means I do a lot less of the marketing and sort of really adminy side of things, which mm. used to take off my time. So, but it's still really filled with a lot of really different tasks throughout the day.
0: And and how many submissions? Because as you say, there are not that many literary agents, you know, in mm-hmm. Australia. There's only a handful, really. How many submissions do you receive each week from authors? And how many authors do you currently have on your books? Um,
1: so I'll start with the fir- the latter question. So I have about thirty creators on my books, which is a mix of writers, illustrators, and graphic novelists. Mm. Uh, as you mentioned, I only do books uh, for kids and young adults. Um, and my submissions are actually closed throughout the year. So I I just mainly because I can't handle the amount of reading, mm. it, and I'm by, mainly by myself. Um, so we just actually open our submissions every year in December, and I now have a. V- little capable team of people who do all the reading that comes in at that period of time and then we judge all the projects that come through and um, last year I think we received about 400 submissions in that period right quite a lot of reading Um, but I like I like sort of bringing that to a you know into a particular period where we can read over the summer and kind of get back to people uh, early in the new year so that's the way that works kind of well for me.
0: And what makes you decide to take an author on as a client? Like, what are you looking for? That's such a tricky question. I know. It really varies. That's why um, I like to ask that hard to, question.
1: Um, so there's a few, you know, I guess there's a few things I had to think a little harder about this question. Usually, I mean, I have to feel that an author has the capacity and also the interest in making um their creative work into a sort of a longer term career. Because I try not to take on people who just want to write one book and then that's it. I think I have to think about people as a longer-term prospect. So I talk a lot to them about what they're doing next and where they'd like to develop their their career longer term. Um, and obviously, I have to really love their work, but sometimes I really love someone's work, but it just falls a bit too close to someone I alri- already represent or um, it's not something I feel I can play. So there's a lot of other factors that come into um, my decisions, and that is also around... You know, my conversations with publishers, talking to a lot of people about what's working in Australia and what's working in international markets, that also influences my decisions. Um, So, yeah, it's a very varied uh, thought process. And I do think very long and hard about um, a lot of the projects that come in. Sometimes it takes me a year of, you know, receiving a submission, talking a bit to the author and then Maybe down the track we'll we'll talk again and then and then I'll feel, yeah, it's the right time I think I can place this. Because I really feel awful when I can't place work, so I have to really be very sure that I think I can find a home for something. Um,
0: because, because it is very much about the market, isn't it? Like you can love something, but if you can't see that there's a place for it in the market at this point, then you can't, as you say, place it, you can't sell Load. it. No, yeah. um, So – you know with an author like that perhaps you had an had a manuscript that you loved but there wasn't a spot for it like yep. what's you what do you do there do you say to them look this is great but it's not quite right for the market or do you like how does would you yeah. work
1: with someone on that i do give that feedback and and that's a really hard thing to give people because it's not that i don't love something and it's hard for someone to explain to explain to someone sometime that a book has to find a home in a bookshop somewhere And it has to fit into parameters that are kind of naturally, um, set up already in the structures of publishing, which is particular age groups and particular styles and word lengths and things like that. I mean, every now and then books can definitely break out of those kinds of things, but it's quite rare that it's hard, it's hard to find something that doesn't kind of fit into those particular parameters that already exist, particular genres and, um, areas like that. So I do, I try and explain pretty carefully to someone, if I've if I've gotten to the point where um, you know I'm not going to take their project on, uh, and and maybe down the track, you know, I'll get back in touch with them and say, "Oh, look, if you're still interested, I'm still keen to talk to you about your work." So it's not a closed door forever or anything like that. Mm.
0: So, what sorts of manuscripts are you looking for at the moment? Like, are you seeing? I mean, you're someone who obviously is is looking at that market all of the time. Are you seeing any any gaps that you think? Mm. You know, I'm looking for something to fill that spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there, there never seems to be any gaps.
0: <laughs> That's not what we want to hear, Annabelle, okay?
1: <laughs> I just want to feel overwhelmed by how many beautiful books get published. Um, but I'm always still looking and I'm, I'm definitely always still trying to find ways to engage readers. Um, and I, middle grade is a perennially strong area and even though there's a lot published in that area, I still feel there's a lot of room for that um, really mid beautiful Uh, middle grade writing that can hook readers in. So I'm always looking for more upper middle grade series, um, protagonists that we haven't heard from previously, illustrated middle grade, graphic novels or graphic memoir. There's not a lot of that out in Australia yet and I'd like to see more of that. Um, YA, if, you know, perennially up and down, some people are looking for it and some people are not, but I still love YA, so I would love to always read more YA. YA fantasy I like a lot um even though there's a lot published um so yeah there's not gaps i would say um but i'm still open to everything because i i would never say no to to looking at something and sometimes something just comes to me and i'm like love that i think i can place that so yeah i i think there's always room for new projects in every age group
0: which is, you know, which is good news and also like because publishing yeah. is a very hungry beast. It's a hungry business Definitely. and it's always looking for new,
1: new it's and fabulous, new isn't
0: it? Yeah. Um, so on that sort of, you know, hooking readers and all of that sort of stuff, what, what do you see as the greatest challenge with kids and reading at the moment and what sorts of tips would you as an agent give to help overcome it?
1: Yes, I, that's such an interesting question. And um, I guess I guess the thing we're grappling with as at the, the moment, and something I feel like as a par- as a parent, I grapple with a lot too, is how kids come to and engage with books now. So now that they have so many other so much other content filling their mm. world, so I'm really interested in that, um, and how books can kind of break through that noise and become part of a child's life. So I think I'm looking always for that kind of gripping story that can compete on the level that that content that is thrown at children constantly, um, you know, can kind of stand up against that. And I, I mean, I think they're really wonderful mentors and teachers and librarians are so important to engage kids with reading as well. That's where I think so many kids come to books. With mm-hmm. that area of the market is really important. So I'd love to have, you know, love to make sure we support support that area of the market more. Um, and then the other thing I think is really interesting is kind of those visual narratives and illustrated content because I think Um, you know, I think we're really grappling with how kids engage with illustrative fiction and then how how they move up to that longer form narrative as they get older Mm. when they're in in front of a lot of visual media. So that's interesting to me in that kind of development of graphic novels and illustrated novels and how that morphs into how older readers engage with books when they become teenagers.
0: Um, Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I think that you can't assess... Uh, children's reading at the moment, without taking into account the screen effect of mm-hmm. you know that that have that they've mm-hmm. been group that they've been dealing with and we've been grappling with, you know, since they were born, basically, yeah, like absolutely. we're talking ten or twenty years in now.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: I think that, um, to, to not take that into consideration is to really you, – you, it's very difficult to expect a kid who's been looking at content their whole lives with, and to get to eight and suddenly want to read 65,000 words without mm-hmm. some kind of straddling mechanism. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting Yeah, because there's a lot of discussion in Your Kids Re- Next Read a lot around graphic novels and mm. we are all for them because I think they are the you perfect do. medium to kind know, of you know right. take kids into more complex stories in ways that they can – Engage with, um, and I think sometimes the conversation around graphic novels, sort of the more negative conversation, comes from people who haven't looked at one for a long time. And I no, think I that if you yep. look at what's out there now, um, there, yeah, there's some extraordinary storytelling. And I know, and writers like Tristan Banks who are really bringing a screenplay yes. vibe to their <laughs> yeah, story right. is working really well. Yeah. I think, don't you? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, those two, I agree. Those partic- two particular areas are really engaging. Cook you in stories like Tristan's work. And Jack and Heath, and Heath as well. She's another one. Yeah, those yeah. two I think are the two areas that I think are a way we can break through into kids, into kids' lives. And I don't want to sound negative about, I agree with you about graphic novels. If you see a kid with a graphic novel, you can kind of understand how they connect with a book like that in a way that adults almost don't see. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it's a really interesting area that you know, I'd love to, to think about more and, and develop more as an industry here.
0: Well, I feel as though we're going to be seeing more of it. I, you know, I think sometimes it, it comes from a situation of people who look at them like they're, like they're comics, but even comics have incredible yeah. storytelling in them. Yeah, and I, I think, think you know, it's that, it's that idea of them being lightweight. And, and I, I, you know, I think that that's something I do think it will change. You know, that attitude will change and is already like, I, yes, from like what I, I can actually. see, definitely changed. Yeah. Oh, that was, you know, we could go on there a bit, couldn't we? We need <laughs> our symposium, Annabelle. There <laughs> needs to be. We need a full day to discuss this stuff,
1: don't we? I'm not keeping my answers succeed.
0: Oh, no, that's totally fine. Succinct (laughs) is well and truly overrated in my world. Um, It has been absolutely lovely chatting to you today, um, you know, here on Your Kids Next Read. So I'd like to finish up just by asking if you could, because you are someone who is well across the market, can you recommend an Australian children's book that you've read recently, you know, any any level you like, several if you want?
1: I I hope you will indulge me in that. It's written by one of my clients. I just mean on a book. So I really want to recommend it. It belongs to my client Anna Sobel. It's called "This Camp Is Doomed," and it just came out. Um, and the reason I want to talk about it is, it's it illustrated upper middle grade book. So it's mm. got a lot of illustration in it, but it um, definitely for upper middle grade readers. Um, and it's a story of a bunch of kids who go on a school camp um, in the same year. They kind of develop their very unusual powers, which kind of aligns with when a child would go into sort of go through puberty, that kind of age group. Um, But it's really funny, and Anna's a very funny and clever and quirky person, a writer, Um, and I loved, I really loved this book, so I wanted to recommend it as a great illustrated upper middle grade book if your kid's moving from graphic novels into that longer form uh, fiction kind of
0: area fantastic all right well thank you for spending probably more than 10 minutes with us <laughs> that was my- excellent chatting with you and um you know best of luck with your you know your, well I, by the time this actually comes out you'll be inundated under a stack of manuscript submissions so <laughs> good luck with that yeah, thank you very much always love reading more so that's fine with me I do hope you found that insight into the industry fascinating. It's great information, particularly for the writers in our audience. And I know that you are out there. Remember, too, that if you're interested in becoming a children's author or you're on the way, I do have a one-hour video presentation called Seven Things Children's Authors Must Know, which I created with award-winning author Sue Whiting. I'll put the link in the show notes at yourkidsnextread.com.au or you'll find it at alisontate.com under courses. I will also put a link to Annabelle's website um, in the in the show notes as well. You'll find her at Annabelle Barker um, if you want to Google her. So, where to from here in our journey behind the books? Well, in our very last mini series episode, I'm delving into the fascinating world of book design with award-winning designer and illustrator Astrid Hicks. It's a really interesting conversation, and I do hope you're listening for that one. In the meantime, you'll find me at alicentate.com. You'll find me on Instagram and Facebook at Alison Tate Writer, and of course, in the Your Kids Next Read community. Look for Megan at megandaily.com.au. Um, Or follow her summer holiday adventures at Megan Daly Books on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Her first picture book, The Beehive, as I mentioned, is coming out very, very soon. So she's been very, very busy and it's always a lot of fun. There's a lot of chaos going on over there in the daily household. Um, Anyway, I'll talk to you next time.